Welcome home to a life without limits, where you honor your alignment, nourish your soul, and awaken your inner goddess. Some days we fly, some, well, we've got you, sister. Abundance is your birthright. This is your remembrance. Hot Mess Goddess, juicy conversations for a luscious life. Today's guest is the beautiful Julianne, a very dear friend of mine and founder of Elevate Your Life, and she's sharing all things relationships. She's such a bright light who helps people see the joy in everyday living, and she's a bit of an expert in helping others recognize if we're abandoning ourselves in relationships, believing that you need to be in a soulmate relationship with yourself before you can call one in with your partner. Oh, Jules, welcome to the Hot Mess Goddess podcast. It's been a while coming and I'm so, so excited that you're here. Thank you. I'm so excited to be here. Thanks so much for inviting me on. I've loved all the other ladies that you've had on before me, so I'm excited to dive in with you. Oh, me too. I should give an intro on how we met as well, I guess, which was at network marketing events a couple of years ago now. And you always had this beautiful vibe and beautiful energy that I admired so much. I felt like a shell of myself at the time. So you were always someone that I looked up to and someone that inspired me. So I'm now really excited to have you on. Oh, thank you. Yeah, I just fell in love with you the second I met you and I knew that you were going through a bit of a transition and a deep processing at the time and I just wanted you to feel the light within yourself and see that you've got everything within you already. So just help you bring that out at the time. Yeah, well, I think I just had eight miscarriages in three years. So my hormones were all over the place. My emotions were all over the place. And yeah, we were actually doing health and, well, I still am doing health and wellness products. And so of course, once you get your body back on track, everything changes. So I now have a little boy for those that are listening that don't know after all of that, which was lovely. He's a blessing. Oh, yeah. And I just remember you being there with your daughter and you'd driven a couple of hours to get there and you were inspired by the group that were there on the day and you knew that taking your daughter there a distance away was what was best and that she was going to get some deep learning out of the day as well. So, you know, I loved that about you, that you had that commitment and drive to, you know, help yourself, but also help others. And in doing so, you were showing your daughter, you know, what it was like to be motivated and excited about something. Which is really interesting, actually, now that you say that, because what is it, five years on now, and she absolutely loves personal development. She meditates. She's gotten into network marketing herself, as well as studying to be a nurse. And it's the best thing that I could ever have done for her as well, for sure. Oh, maybe, yeah. She heard the speaker that day and something touched and moved and inspired her as well. Oh, she's been to many, many events since then. I've dragged her to every single one of them pretty much. And I didn't have to drag her, I shouldn't say that. She willingly came. That's good because she was seeing that it was lighting you up. Yeah. Lighting the people up in the room. You have been doing so much personal development since I met you. It's one of the things we have in common is personal growth. But I love what you've been really delving into recently because relationships has always been something in your life that's been your biggest growth. And I love to see you come through that. So did you want to talk about what's on your heart right now, what you've been doing? 
Absolutely. And I guess, you know, to give the listeners a little bit of background, I come from a family which taught me from a very young age to do everything with love. They were encouraging me from a very young age to play a lot of sport, which I was, you know, actively involved in. I was playing tennis a lot growing up and my parents would take me to tennis and swimming and lots of different sporting groups. So, you know, I loved people and I loved being in team sports and just encouraging other people. And I also have a beautiful brother who is currently sober, which is amazing because I feel like, you know, you mentioned the struggle a little bit. Part of my relationship growth has come from navigating my way through, you know, he's had some issues with around addiction and mental health and, you know, just being on that journey with him. So where my own relationship struggles have come in, I guess it's probably been because I've been also balancing out family dynamics and weaving through that with him and and trying to support and encourage him but also feeling a bit of shame around not being able to help him so yeah focus has not always been on myself and some of my patterning has come from putting others before self because you know I was trying to help him through his process yeah so I guess I've been learning a lot about masculine and feminine and codependency and you know vulnerability abundance conscious connections trusting myself and my own intuition love languages so yeah there's been lots of exciting things channeling through me the few years. Oh, it's been amazing to watch too. So I guess let's dive into not putting ourselves first and codependent relationships because that's a big one for so many people I know. Did you want to elaborate more on that? Yeah. So I guess, you know, we learn so much from our school teachers and our parents and I really stepped into a few romantic relationships where I became the fixer, I guess you could call it, and the rescuer. And I didn't realize until about two years ago that that was the patterning. Just in my last two relationships, I feel like prior to that, they were very reciprocal and, you know, there was a lot of give and take and mutual understanding and alignment and things like that. I guess it was the last two relationships I've been in where I felt that I was, became the rescuer and therefore putting myself second. So yeah, just prioritizing other people's needs before my own. And one of the relationships, my partner had a daughter, so I just of felt naturally that I would help him and support him in what he was going through and then the pendulum would swing back in my direction and after a little while I realized the pendulum often wasn't swinging back in my direction I was you know putting his needs first and his daughter's needs first which you know often women do that and a lot of men do that as well but women often become caretakers in their relationships and I very much became the caretaker just wanting everything to be happy and seamless and positive for my stepdaughter at the time and my partner at the time. And then I realized that I was actually compromising a lot on what I was wanting to call in for myself. We weren't engaged. He wasn't divorced yet. You know, he wasn't talking to me about getting married or any of those things. And not that you need to have any of those labels at all. I'm a big believer that life is what you make it and whatever you're choosing is perfectly okay. But, you know, eventually I did want some of those things to, to come in my direction and just those things weren't coming my way. So I realized that I needed to choose myself after four years of being in that relationship because I was going to be missing out on things that I really did want. <laughs> yeah, definitely. 
And I'm a big believer that every relationship we choose is a place to grow and learn from rather than to regret or I guess bag out. But you had a lot of learning in that relationship from what I could see from the outside. Yeah, I've got to say like, you know, and there was so much love in that relationship as well. So I don't want anyone to think that there wasn't a lot of love there because there really was. And I felt we were both doing the best that we could with the tools that we had at the time. And I'm sure he's had as much growth after that relationship as as I have. But it's been the biggest lesson and the biggest springboard. And I guess my biggest blessing, because I really feel like I'm the happiest I've ever been. And I feel like I know myself better than I've ever known myself. And I've gone into this direction of positive psychology. And it's amazing. Like I wake up every day and I'm just, I feel like everything is divine. And, you know, the lessons that we have and that the wisdom that comes from the learning is, it's all divine. So that is fantastic. (laughs) It is. And no wonder you're happy. Like you found a brand new relationship that I can see you glowing now. And that was right in the middle of COVID. Yeah. So I've been single since that last relationship for about two years. And I'm actually someone that loves dating and enjoys meeting new people. And I've always thought, even if someone doesn't become a romantic partner, you can make a friendship out of it, or you introduce to different networks of people that you might not have known previously. So I've always gone into dating with really positive intentions and open mind. Yeah. And modern day dating is so fascinating because, you know, with the apps and everything, there's so much more at play. Like with everyone, swiping left and right and everyone having sort of different ideas about what they're wanting. Some people are just looking for casual hookups. Other people are looking for the love of their life and it's about navigating through all those uncharted waters. And yeah, I met my new boyfriend, Dean, you know, during COVID and it was beautiful. Like we went for a walk and we walked for a couple of hours until it started getting dark. And then we had to get a little bit creative about, you know, what were we going to do because we couldn't go to a restaurant or anything like that because everything was closed. And we're both trying to be really mindful of the restrictions and respectful that you're not meant to be touching one another and things like that. But we ended up juggling lemons in the park to fill in time and to get to know one another while we're asking each other questions. And so yeah, we just got a little bit creative and we laughed our heads off the whole way through our date. And yeah, it was the start of something really special. How wonderful. (laughs) I'm so blessed to have met him. Yeah. And the timing's always divine. Yeah. And I feel like COVID has been precious for a lot of people in the sense that it's made people in the dating world slow down a little bit. And I do know of quite a lot of people that met their partners during COVID. People that were on the dating treadmill sort of slowed down a little bit and went inward a little bit instead of out. And everyone's so busy. And I feel like people just dropped into their heart center a little bit more and did call in things that perhaps they were too busy to call in previously. Yeah. And in saying that too, um, we haven't spoken about your work. Like you are in a pretty intense role where in fact you've changed roles a few times, but always managing really massive buildings. And like, it's always high stress, high intensity takes up a lot of your time. So maybe that's helped as well. I definitely, like I loved COVID for the fact that I could work from home initially and we were doing team A, team B, where we got to, you know, one week, one team was in the office and the other team were at home and then we switched the following week. And I just found that really grounding for being able to get up and exercise and I was going into nature every day. And I'm at 
my absolute best when I'm in nature and I can slow my breath and slow my thoughts down. Because as you say, in my role, I work in building operations. So I have teams of cleaners and security and I'm managing the relationships with all of the tenants within the building, any risk involved, plant and equipment, contractors. So on any given day, I can have 30 contractors on site and fire alarms going off and different things. So yeah, I, I changed jobs during COVID as well. So it was a massive time of change for me and growth and personal growth and surrendering. I feel like in my role, I'm in my masculine a lot because masculine is doing as opposed to being. So it was able for me to drop into my heart center and be more in my feminine, which has been fantastic just to surrender to what was going on and nurturing what I needed to call in, which was being more in my feminine. Yeah, true. You're an NLP practitioner. You've done Landmark and you're currently learning about how to balance the masculine and feminine too. Aren't you? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I've been doing a 10-week relationship seminar and I found that really enriching, just working on self and the little nuggets of gold that you get from wherever you're learning, whether it's reading or podcasts, and then taking those lessons into everyday life and being able to be more compassionate with people. You know, not everyone has the upbringing that you had or had the teachers you had. So just really being able to be compassionate with people with whatever's showing up with them. Yeah, just being a light for others. You definitely are a light. So what are some of the nuggets of this year for you? Definitely discernment has been huge for me. I've always been very trusting and I'm not saying I'm not trusting anymore, but learning to trust myself and my own intuition and bring that into positive communication, you know, in the workplace or in relationships and just leaning into any kind of discomfort. I used to shy away from any kind of confrontation and not saying that I like confrontation at all, but I feel like I'm better equipped now to be able to call people out on their behaviours if it's showing up that perhaps they are not speaking to me in the right tone or, you know, especially in the workplace, sometimes people speak to you and you think, wow, that's really not okay. So just, yeah, being more discerning and being able to call people out in their behaviours and trusting and backing myself fully. I've always had the knowledge, but until you start embodying the information, it is really just information. So once you start embodying what you're learning, then it really becomes knowledge. Oh yeah, I'm so glad you said that because I have been a lifelong learner and I take on information and take it on and take it on. And then, yeah, that embodiment is my word for this year where I'm really starting to just feel it all and embody everything that I'm learning. And it makes a huge difference. Yeah. And also where does non-trust get you? You know, you've got to clear any past hurts and dig deep into your courage and get dirty (laughs) to, um, you know, shift your mindset from the old to bring in the new. I feel like, you know, when people are in their wounds, they stop trusting themselves. So I think we really need to take any past lessons and thank, you know, the people that hurt us or shone a light on something that we didn't see for ourselves and really use that as a springboard into our evolution of who we're becoming. Yeah, because there's a lot of blame in relationships, isn't there? Yeah, and also a lot of shame, you know, mistakes and numbing and busyness. And, you know, you when you have a breakup, you feel like, oh, wow, I made these mistakes or the other person might think I've made these mistakes. And, um, you know, you have regrets and decisions you didn't make and things you wish you had have done differently. But all we have is, you know, what we have right now. And 
<laughs> you know, all we can do is take the learnings into the next relationship and be better versions of ourselves and call in partners that are doing the work. When I was manifesting for what I wanted to call into my next beautiful relationship, I really got very specific about what I was manifesting and the type of person I wanted to call in. And I really wanted to call in someone that knew themselves really well and was on their own path of doing deep work and that had a deep sense of self and self-worth and someone that was fun and adventurous and, you know, that was really emotionally aware and emotionally intelligent. And I feel like I've called all of those things in with my new partner, like really on a level playing field with each other. And we communicate so well and so positively together. And I can speak into my fears with him and he really, he's very grounding and he, you know, holds me with, you know, in the space where I'm at. And then we have deep discussions. It's really beautiful. Yeah, that's great. And because like we were talking just before, I think, I hit record and you were saying that you didn't realize you'd stopped dreaming big and he's brought that back in you. Yeah, absolutely. Like he'll ask me questions and a couple of times he's caught me and I'll give an answer that, you know, I am feeling into and that excites me. And then he's like, but I want like, what about dreaming bigger than that? So I feel like I did stop dreaming for a long time. And I guess that came from my past relationship where we weren't talking about having children, we weren't talking about getting married or any of those things. Like Dean was saying, he absolutely wants all of those things for me. And it's totally up to me whether we go down that path. Obviously I'm 44 now and I'm getting a little bit older and I always thought I would be a young mum, to be honest, and life traveled all around the world, lived in many places. And it's just sort of worked out that I've had beautiful relationships, but they haven't evolved to be the love of my life where we've made those decisions and I haven't had a child. So it's amazing that he's letting me dream and that I am dreaming and, you know, I get to choose because life is all about our choices. It certainly is. And I love that you spoke before about the love languages because that just fascinates me so much as well. Have you spoken about all of that stuff with him too? Yeah. And it's amazing. So I touched on it with him and he did know a little bit about them, but we've dived into it together. And my love languages have always been like really across the board with all of them. So for anyone who doesn't know what the love languages are, there's gifts, words of affirmation, acts of service, physical touch and quality time. So he he is really a little bit of all of those, which is excellent. And my primary ones have always been acts of service and words of affirmation in receiving. So yeah, he's definitely honing in on what he knows are my primary ones, but also he's all the other things. So I've been getting beautiful gifts and gorgeous quality time. And I'm naturally really tactile and affectionate anyway. So yeah, physical touch is always there with us, which is beautiful. We're very affectionate with one another. Because it does make a big difference, doesn't it? Like when you love languages are just, you've got no idea you, because you tend to treat someone the way you want to be treated. And if your love language is completely different to that other person's, they're giving you what they want and you're giving them what you want and they just don't align. And that's where a lot of frustration can come in. Yeah. It's um, about teaching your partner what your love languages are and that's how you would like to receive and finding out from them what their love languages are and, you know, really loving them in the way they need because, you know, I actually am a really big gift giver, but receiving gifts has never been one of my primary ones. So, you know, it's about finding out what your partner loves in receiving and showing them love in that way. Yeah, definitely. 
I love that. And so what are some of the other things that you've been learning in this relationship course that you've been doing? What are some other things that have really shifted for you? So masculine and feminine is massive as well. So masculine and feminine doesn't mean like male and female. It's um, lots of different traits that play out during your day. So that's another thing that I've been working on together with one another. And in my past relationship, I would say my ex-partner was, you know, he could be really in his feminine, which was excellent. He was great at doing things around the house. He was less organized, I guess you could say. So that's where I had to step into my masculine a little bit more to meet him where he was at. So I guess finding out with your partner as well, where their strengths and weaknesses lie and where your strengths and weaknesses lie, and then really communicating, well, okay, what are you better at? And where are we time critical or time poor on certain things? And just having open dialogue around where we have strengths and, you know, letting each other do those things more often, I guess, around the house or in the workplace. You know, there's definitely things in the workplace that I'm better at than others. I try and actually get everything done first that I I don't enjoy doing. That's always a good one. Yeah. Starting my day with the things that are going to either take me the longest or that I enjoy the least, get them out of the way first. I think there's a saying for that, eat the frog. I think I learned that at one of the seminars we went to and you eat the frog, that thing that you don't want to do first, if it's going to grow your business, but you find it really scary or it's, you know, you really want to ask someone out, but you keep putting it off or whatever it may be, that thing that you just, oh, I don't want to do it. It's uh, it's too scary. You eat the frog and then the rest of your day is pretty cruisy. Yeah, absolutely. I believe in that wholeheartedly because then you can spend the rest of your day doing the things that you do enjoy and that light you up. For sure. I've been learning vulnerability, leaning into the areas that are not comfortable. Like often where we're feeling uncomfortable is where our biggest growth comes from. So just really leaning into things that don't make you feel comfortable and opening up to new experiences so that you can be seen and start trusting yourself again. I think that self-trust is one of the biggest things because there's a lot of confusion. You know, we're told if you don't like doing that sort of thing, then don't force yourself to do it because that's not in alignment with who you are. Yet there's the other side of it. Sometimes you've got to actually break through that uncomfortable barrier to get to where you want to go. And I used to get really confused about which one it actually was because I didn't trust myself. No, trust is huge absolutely huge. When you let go of something, you need to start honoring yourself again um, in your trust and your intuition. How did you learn to start trusting yourself again? I feel like I've always had a strong sense of self and a strong sense of knowing. And it was just really about quietening the mind because normally it's fears that are showing up when you stop listening to your intuition. So just quietening my mind, slowing down my breath and just really leaning into decisions I was making. In the past, I used to go to external sources and other people and other friends and family members and check in to get a bit of a, you know, do you think I'm doing the right thing? And now more than ever, I'm just like diving right into my own soul and just, yeah, listening to what's coming forth within myself. So that's been beautiful. What's one of your favorite ways to do that? Um, I'm big on baths. <laughs> nice. In the bath with a candle and give myself 
time and space and start dreaming and thinking about, you know, pros and cons. I think now it's just like an inner knowing. It's like a neon sign that's just like shining bright. You get the little nudges. So I think they were there previously, but I used to ignore them. I've spoken into this with friends and we've all done things that we know we're not meant to do. You know, we've had the big night out that we shouldn't have had out or we've dated the guy that we shouldn't have dated because we knew that they were a bit of a bad boy, but we wanted to do it anyway. So yeah, uh, yeah. now the lesson has been when you feel the nudge or the calling or you don't ignore it, you like dive straight in towards it. Yeah, I love that so much. Because I think mine's crept up on me, my self-trust. I don't recall a defining moment where I suddenly trusted myself, but it was just listening to those little nudges and then synchronicity, like synchronicity has been huge in my life. And the more I allow myself to take notice of those little nudges, the more synchronicity appears and I just follow. It might not even make sense at the time, but I just go, okay, there you go. I'll follow that one. And it always leads to something perfect. Oh, absolutely. And self-care and self-love. A lot of people's addictions are around food and relationships and busyness was, I guess, one of my addictions. Addiction has really negative connotation as well, but I just love people and I like being adventurous. So my weeks are always quite full. I'm way less busy than I used to be. And that's been amazing. I've been able to call in other things that hadn't even realized were super important to me because I had the space then to call it in. True. Because a lot of the time, I guess, like growing up, we were always told not to be selfish. Selfish was always a really bad word. And so we didn't want to be selfish. So we became selfless. And that's not necessarily always a good thing. No. And I feel like mothers, especially, you know, they're very selfless. They're putting their children before themselves. They're putting their partners before themselves often. They're racing against the clock every day to do drop-offs and pickups and have the career job if that's what they're choosing. So yeah, I feel like self-care and self-love is just so important. It is. Even those little things, like you say, having a bath, I'm not big on baths, but I'm really (laughs) big on sitting out under my favorite trees with cacao or, you know, we all have the things that we love to do. And I can spend an hour doing that now and journaling and just really dropping into my heart space. Whereas prior to that, there's no way I'd do that because it was just too selfish to just sit there and do that for myself. Whereas I think in the past, I'd find it perfectly okay to duck outside and have a cigarette for five minutes. That was probably my self-care back then, which is crazy, but that's how I gave myself that five minutes. I think a lot of people do, (laughs) even in the workplace. Yeah, definitely. And so you were talking about the fun and the adventurous aspect of you. And that reminded me of the color code personalities that we both know about. Like you're clearly a yellow. And (laughs) I use a lot of that in my writing as well, like to try and appeal to all the different color codes. So have you delved into that with Dean? No, we actually haven't talked about that one, but he is, he's very much a yellow and I'm a bit yellow and blue, but yeah, he kite surfs, he loves snow. So we're really aligned with all the outdoor activities and things that we both love. I think he can be a bit of a red as well. Like he's quite strategic and he's really smart. Yeah, it's great. He keeps me in line because I'm, yeah, I can be a real yellow at times and (laughs) same. All about the fun. Yeah, that's good. It keeps me checked. 
It is good. I love delving into those. Do you have any more of those tools and things that you use in your life or that you've found useful in the past? In relationships, things like the drama triangle, especially for anyone that's feeling like they might be in a codependent relationship where at various times you might be you know, playing out the drama triangle. So it's rescuer. You might be playing out the rescuer role or you might be the persecutor or you might be the victim. So I found that to be a really handy tool like for instance with my family dynamic at times like I'm the rescuer I was trying to help my brother for many years to battle his alcoholism and I was feeling like I wasn't doing a very good job at that you know we couldn't get him to go to rehab and then there was various times where you know he might be texting me and abusing me so I was the victim and and my parents at other times you know, I was persecuting them because they couldn't get him to go to the rehab facility either. So at various times I was playing out any one of those roles within the drama triangle. So I think being able to identify where you're sitting in the drama triangle, um, our family dynamic now is really different. Like I was able to show my mum and dad a lot of love and compassion because, you know, like with all these stars that end up committing suicide and, and things like that or have addiction for years, like it doesn't matter how many people you have around you and how many people love you and how much money you have any of those things if the person doesn't want to help themselves it's really difficult to get someone to rehab so yeah just understanding my position in the in the drama triangle and then stepping back from like a second and third perspective and just showing everyone love and compassion for their roles within the drama triangle as well yeah we might provide a link or something like that in the show notes to what the drama triangle is and a little bit more detailed information. I'm a bit visual, so I like to actually see what it looks like and have those descriptions. So how then do you get yourself? Because I know that sort of the drama can be really addictive for a lot of people. And even when it's not addictive, it's hard to see a way out. So how do you then get to recognize it and and try and find a solution when there's other people that are involved? Like you might think, okay, well, now that I'm aware of this, I might be able to change something, but then you still kind of feel like the victim to it all because there's other people involved? Yeah, it depends on the person that you're or the people that you're dealing with. But if you can even explain the drama triangle to them and let them know that at various times they are being one of those positions within triangle as well and seeing if they're open to maybe getting some coaching or if they're identifying within themselves that they're playing those roles just take a bit of a step back maybe have some time out from that communication with them and then come back together from a more loving and compassionate space and then just be gentle with one another because you have had that recognition that dynamic is playing out yeah, awareness is always key, isn't it? What are the options when people don't want to recognize that they're in a drama triangle and they're playing it out? Well, I guess it depends how long you've been with the person. You know, is it dangerous, the situation? You know, are they willing to um, make any subtle changes that then assists you in your day-to-day communications? Is it healthy to continue in that relationship or are you finding yourself in that codependent relationship where, you know, you're making yourself small or you're putting your needs behind someone else's? They're not wanting to show up in a way that supports your growth and your happiness. Yeah, there's a lot of questions that you can ask yourself in terms of, you know, the dynamic you're in and if it's something that you should continue to stay in, if it's worth fighting for or whether it's actually healthier and better for you to step out. Yeah, true. So is there something else that's really on your heart that you want to speak into? 
Yeah, just to continue to dream big. Like if you want a soulmate relationship, like I've got so many gorgeous friends that are single right now and they have really given up and they've given up hope that they're ever going to meet anyone. So I feel like they need to have that sense of self and that trust and that blind faith so that they can have whatever it is that they're desiring. They just need to believe and they need to not give up on themselves and they need to keep putting themselves out there in different scenarios, whether it's getting their friends to set them up on blind dates or, you know, internet dating. A lot of people have sort of given up because internet dating, you know, it can be a bit of a jungle at times and people feel like they're swinging off chandeliers or, you know, the vines and the jungle. <laughs> Maybe like the vetting process it sounds like a horrible word, but getting to know someone first over the phone or FaceTiming. I believe now with COVID, a lot more people have been FaceTiming and, and talking to people first over the phone before they've go and have like an hour long date with someone that they're not really interested in, like really getting to know people before they spend that hour driving somewhere to meet up with someone to have a face-to-face date, asking a lot more questions just to make sure that they're aligned with the person. I think people get too excited too quickly once they start dating someone as well. They don't really get to know them before they're fully invested. I think it's wise to get to know people before you're fully invested. Yeah, I think a lot of that comes too from looking externally for validation where we're so used to looking externally. And I guess COVID has been good in a lot of ways for people to be able to drop back in. Yeah. And because people want certain things, like with women, we do have body clocks and it's amazing how many people will say to me or or said to me when I was single, I can't believe you're single. You know, you're fabulous. You're this and that. And I'm quite confident within myself. So I'm quite lucky that I can sort of brush those types of comments off at times. But other times, if you're having like a a bit of a moment where you think, okay, yeah, I am fabulous. Why am I single? You know, for some people that have been single for a number of years, that those types of comments really play on their mind. And then the whole social pressure that, you know, you should have had a baby by a certain age. And, you know, what if you didn't want a baby, but someone was like, I can't believe you haven't had a baby yet. And what if that wasn't even your dream? I think people often speak about their dreams and their desires before even checking in with someone if that's what they're wanting. True, (laughs) yeah. I think not giving into societal pressures that you have to have done certain things by a certain time and just really like leaning into the things that you enjoy and just being in your light and being happy. Happy. And then that's when you're happy, that's when you will attract all the people in that you're meant to attract in, whether it's friendships or a new job or a relationship. Like when you're at your happiest and you're shining your light brightly, you will attract those things in naturally anyway. Yeah. And I guess we should go there because that's one of the things that I loved about you from the first moment I met you. You were this beautiful shining light. There were thousands of people at these personal events that we've gone to and they're all there for growth and for positivity and for all of these things, but you really stood out. There were a couple of women that I'm dear friends with now that stood out as just really emanating that light and love. And so it was no surprise that you've mentioned today that that's come from how you grew up as well. It's been instilled from you from a young age, but how do you maintain that when the world can be so chaotic around you? I think, you know, put a bright light around you and just like I used to play tennis. I I, I sometimes just think in my head, I'm just going to volley that away. (laughs) Um, You know, other people's personalities or their negativity and things like that. And just really making sure that I surround myself with people that are doing the deep work, that are fun, that are adventurous. Their, their glass half full or half over, you know, it's overflowing. Their glasses are overflowing. Spending time with those people that just want the best from you. And when you were younger, like there's people that are quite competitive and, you know, everything was a competition. I don't need to be around people that 
are competing with me. Like, and if I get that sense at all from anyone, I, you know, I'm still nice to those people, but I will, they, they won't be in my inner circle because the only person that I need to be better than was myself last week or last year. I don't need to be competing against anyone for love, attention, personal development, boys, anything. So yeah, just surrounding myself with people that are positive. Yeah. I love that so much. And it shows, it really does. Even when you are going through moments of heartache or, you know, those really tough times that you've been through with your brother since I've known you, you still were always this beacon of light for others. Yeah, I think a lot of people wouldn't even know about my brother's situation. Like I do share about it sometimes, but I tried to, as much as possible, keep what he was going through and the processing a little bit separate to my friendships. And, you know, I felt like I didn't really have a brother for a good 10 years or so. So my friends became my family. I've always had deep love for him and, you know, my parents, but I guess I needed to just do what I needed to do for myself. And, you know, sometimes when you're in a family dynamic where, you know, they're your blood relative and they're acting in a particular way, there can be quite a lot of shame around, you know, I needed to choose myself for a number of years and just completely step away from him. So, you know, no texts, no phone calls. So I really had to dive deep because, yeah, guilt and shame was showing up quite a lot that I was stepping away from someone that I loved, but I had to do that for myself because, you know, he wasn't choosing himself, but I really needed to be choosing myself because it was to my detriment that I was, you know, just in the trenches, like trying to rescue him all the time. Yeah. I find that so strong and so empowering too, for others to hear that might be trying to help someone. And another thing that I love about what you're doing, and especially right now, like you're just seriously glowing, is everyone talks about manifesting and you've always had that job that pays really well. You know, you've always had that career and you're manifesting. We always had this belief that if you're manifesting really well in one area, then it's dropping off in another area. So you might be having lots of money coming in a great career, but then your love life sucks or, you know, there's some other area that always lets Let's go. And that was a belief that was instilled in us for a while as well. And I love that you're now at a place because you have honored yourself so much and you now trust yourself and like you've always been loving and kind to everyone. But I love the fact now that you're just manifesting left, right, and center because you really have chosen yourself. Yeah, absolutely. I feel like boundaries is also a huge learning for me, like boundaries in the workplace, you know, delegating if I'm exhausted and, you know, boundaries with even like my new partner, he's, he has an ex-wife and two beautiful children. But I learned a lot from my previous relationship, like listening and trying to rescue. I was receiving a lot of information about my ex-partner and his wife and daughter. And, you know, even just setting boundaries with my new partner, like telling him I'm absolutely there for him to support him however he needs, but also I need to be shielded at times by certain things. And so that, you know, I can just focus on being bright and bubbly and happy and, and I can support him if I know too much, like then I'm going to go into that rescuer role. And I really, I'm so conscious now of not wanting to go into that rescuer fixer role <laughs> because it's, you know, it's been imprinted in me in my blueprint the last sort of 10, 15 years with my brother and other relationships. I don't want to be a rescuer. I want to be able to just give him some beautiful words of encouragement and some and light and um, some words of wisdom and then, you know, let him sort of go off and do what he needs to do in that space, in that dynamic and just be a little bit separate from it. So yeah, boundaries is massive. Being able to communicate your needs. Yeah, really important. And it's great that he's respecting that too. 
but you know what? And I have spoken into it, but he naturally wants that for me because I did speak into my fears around going into another relationship where there's children and an ex-wife involved just through my past hurts and experience. And, you know, he's just like, I just want you to be happy. You're just, he calls me a unicorn. It's so cute. He's like, I've never met anyone like you. You're just an absolute unicorn. And I just want you to just be so happy and have the best life and for us to be happy all the time and great adventures together and to be able to communicate well together. Like he wants those things for me because he knows how much I loved my last partner and that it didn't work out for us. Um, So he just, yeah, he really wants those things for me. Ah, that just makes my heart sing so much because it is all possible. Like, yes, life has its ups and downs and it's not going to be a fairy tale every single day, but it can be as great as you want it to be. Yeah. I'm aware that there's going to be things that pop up and I'm going to be triggered by certain things. And I have already been triggered by a few things from my wounding from the last relationship, but, you know, just coming to him with love and just really being open in my communication about what's showing up for me and him holding me in that space is, yeah. It's really special. Yeah, I've been looking at you across like through the screen and you just have this top on with love in huge letters written across the front and that is exactly who you are at your core. I love it. Got my mum and dad to thank for that. Before even, you know, the law of attraction was a term that was thrown out there. Like that's what they've taught me from a very young age to be kind to other people and treat other people how I want to be treated. So, you know, every ounce of love that streams out of me is purely because of that beautiful upbringing I had with them. They just showered love all over me and told me that I could have, be, do anything I wanted in life. And I guess I'm back to that now. Like my brother's in a really good place and I feel like I'm back to everything that they taught me as like this, you know, baby and toddler and, you know, the Thomas the Tank Engine, you can keep going, you know, you can do it, you can have it, you can be it, (laughs) all the things. Because you're allowing that love to come back in now. Yes. Yeah. Learning to receive. Wow. That's another huge lesson. I've been such a giver that I really wasn't allowing the receiving and the gift of knowing what it feels like to receive, whether that was, you know, friendships, family members or partners. So yeah, I'm just like, come on, bring it. I'm here to receive. Thank you. Yeah. And and it has to start with yourself. You've given that love back to yourself. You've given the time. You've given yourself that honoring instead of always giving it out. And now, of course, it's coming back in. Yeah, tenfold. It's amazing. (laughs) And I don't feel like if someone gives something to me that I need to give back, like that's always been a bit of a pattern. It's like when someone gives me a gift, I'm like, oh, could you give them a gift? Or if someone showed up to my house with something and I didn't have something for them, I'd feel a bit guilty. But now it's just like, thanks. You know, like I give to them in other ways and always will. So yeah, no guilt, no shame, letting all those things drop away. Yeah. Receiving is huge for a lot of us. It's something that I've been working on for probably at least two years now. It's been a big one for me. It's gorgeous. Once you just yeah, start to receive it's like a well that's just overflowing. And it comes from, again, all, it all comes back to love, always loving yourself enough to feel worthy enough to receive. Everything yeah. always comes back to love. Love and self-worth. Yeah, perfect. Uh, well, what a wonderful note to finish on. Thank you so much for your time today, Jules. My pleasure. I love you so, so much. And I'm really grateful to you. And I'm so proud of everything you're doing with your podcast. I just love it. Thank you. You've been a big inspiration for it. Thank you, honey. Thanks so much for listening. If you've enjoyed this episode, we'd be ever so grateful if you'd share it around with friends and subscribe so you get every episode hot off the press.